Greetings, friends and family. It is another episode of The Eight Black Hands. It's Sunday night, so you know it is time to catch these hands. Uh, we have six black hands on right now, two uh, uh, in the in in the name of Sharif El Mekki might be joining us on he's his on. way to is he to a foreign country, but he's not here right now. I don't see him in the in the panel there, but I I, I know he might. There he is. There he is. The the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Sharif El Mekki, probably in an airport on his way to a foreign undisclosed location, and still trying to make the meeting tonight. I'm this trying. I'm trying. I might just doing, end brother? up trolling Ray on the, in, you know, in the comments or something. If it, not uh, pro union Ray, so crazy. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> pro union Ray. All right. Mm -hmm. Citizen Chris. You see, he threw his know. glasses on for today's show. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. He's been doing that lately. I, I know there's a lot of folks been doing that to, you know, try and catch up with me. You know, listen. <laughs> listen. Listen. You know. Listen. Listen. You got to get the style where you can get it. You know, listen, <laughs> if if I'm your inspiration, I'm all for it. So, uh, welcome, fellas. How y'all doing? Good, doing well, doing Everybody well. good? Any mental health crises? Anybody, you know, uh, really wanted to put hands on anybody this week? Are you good? You good? Everybody's good? <laughs> yeah, good. I mean, black men in America, I'm sure we're all in a constant state of rage, and we're just trying to figure out how to handle it, you know? I got the beige rage all the time. Well, listen, uh, <laughs> what were you about to say, Dr. Cole? I saw you put your water down for a second. Oh, nothing, nothing. Now, I'm just saying I was good, man. Tired, but good, man. A lot of traveling. Uh, uh, Howard Howard surprised me when I was in Milwaukee doing some stuff, and uh, it was good to see him. And yeah, that was dope. I was glad to see that picture. Yeah, Dr. Yeah, Howard you. Fuller, for those who are listening and watching and don't know. Yeah, I did. A, I did a whole circuit of schools out there, and one of them was his schools. And he pulled. Up, he wouldn't let me be there without him coming. So it was great, man. And uh, I got. He gave me a hoodie and everything. So. Oh wow! I got. Now I got to give I got my hard time because I don't have a hoodie. Did you, um, did, you, did you go to the Dr. Howard Fuller Collegiate Academy and talk to his students, brother? Well, see, you know, you got to add all these restrictions that they've done. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Like, uh, I will say that me and Josh just got back from Birmingham, Alabama, spent three days there, and uh, I got to see a school that was lovely from top to bottom, where the kids were loved, affirmed, challenged, um, nurtured um, by a community of people that started a school specifically for them with them in mind. Uh, the educators were uh, 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 totally immersed in the community. And they, it was a community school in that they had like community services for the kids with, with a, a very well-funded uh, health, public health organization. So it was amazing to see a school that took my cynicism away, you know. Uh, so i say like that right included now. Ac included academics too, huh? They had the health plus the uh, services. Plus academics, academics, right. Yeah, so yeah. Well, so pro-union, Ray, why are you doing this with your hands? What's the name of the school, bro? Not We've been asking you all it's week. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's com the story will be coming out. All right. We did we did inter in person interviews uh, uh, on the site. You, you're you're gonna like it though. Uh, All right, that's what's up. Um, anyways, pro union Ray, you're the only one who hasn't spoke. Let's check in with you real quick so we could get the show started. Man, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, I, I reclaim my time, man. You give give my time to the guests. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Uh, you're you know, we have, it and you're giving it away at the same. I was about time. to say, that's yeah. So, that, yeah you, that's you, so you, interesting. You, I take it back to give to you. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, um, listen, man, we have talked about 
tonight's show in different bits and pieces in different shows multiple times, but we're going to have one show on it today. We've talked about Oakland and teacher strikes before. We've talked about teachers unions nationally. We have another case study. We've talked a little bit about Minneapolis in the past. Uh, for the first time in many years recently, like this last spring, the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers were on strike. And we did talk about it in bits and pieces, but we didn't have anybody local to come on and kind of help guide us through some of what was going on. So tonight's guest is going to help us understand a little bit more what some of the educators of color and the black educators uh, within Minneapolis uh, uh, were experiencing during that strike. And uh, so here's just a couple of notes to give you, if you are not from here, just to give you kind of a, a kind of a cliff note version of some things. Uh, during the strike, the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers gave the world a single story. That single story was really that their union was fighting for the schools that our kids deserve. Uh, and specifically, our kids of color deserve. That was a single story. The teachers union is fighting for the schools that our kids deserve. In their story, they were the heroes who, united with families and students, uh, were fighting a, a school district that was led by careless bureaucrats who didn't always put children first and were somewhat like bean counters. Their language was really heavy-handed, he heavy often co-opted from grassroots social justice act activists often assigning the label of white supremacy and racist to anybody who disagreed with them, including the people of color that disagreed with them. And for many in the public, this had to be kind of confusing, given the fact that the teachers union is led by a blonde white woman whose kid went to one of the toniest school districts in the state until recently, uh, until it was time for her to run for teachers union president again. So for her to be the one to hurl at, especially people of color who disagreed with her, the tagline of white supremacy and uh, and say you're using white supremacist tactics and you're being racist against us and we represent the BIPOC pe uh, people of Minneapolis. That must have been very, very confusing. And on top of that, it was really confusing also because the majority of teachers in Minneapolis are white women from the suburbs who drive in every day whose kids didn't miss any school time while the, the children of, of Minneapolis, uh, the urban children of color, were missing school time. Um, so it's doubly kind of confusing for the public to say, well, wait a second now, these are our social justice people. How are they the ones that are standing in the way of progress uh, uh, for black people, black children, or children of color? It just didn't make any sense when, when those accusations came up, but those accusations did come up. A caucus of more than 70 teachers of color, many of them were black and brown teachers at Henry High School in Minneapolis, organized uh, within the strike um, to make sure that teachers of color issues stayed front and center. And they were being told privately that some of the things that they cared about most, like protecting those teachers of color from layoffs, uh, which has decimated their ranks, was being removed from the table when they did that, when they started organizing democratically within their democratic union, uh, they became the targets of a smear campaign. They became the targets of harassment and, uh, and marginalizing by the union leadership, the white down for the black people uh, leadership. Uh, and like many progressive cities, um, I, it's not going to surprise you that I tell you that this succeeds. This is the way that it goes here. This is how the politics work. White women in education have learned how to weaponize all of the, the social justice concepts and buzzwords uh, um, in a way 
that keeps them in power and keeps people of color out of leadership roles, out of the, 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 the first place when it comes to who gets to say what the narrative is gonna be. Uh, even in a district that is overwhelmingly kids of color, families of color, and communities of color. So we're gonna talk about white power, liberalism and how it plays out with educators of color. Our guest today is Alex Leonard, who is an educator at Henry High School, which is the high school that I mentioned just a minute ago. Uh, he was among the educators who were bringing these issues to the forefront during the strike and after the strike. They filed a grievance with their union, stating that the union had caused them racial harm and that they had been smeared and had been targeted by the leadership of that union. Let's bring in Alex Leonard. Alex, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm good after that summary. I feel like. <laughs> Did I do it any justice from your perspective? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> good, good. So tell us, um, you all, you were part of a group of educators at Henry High that yeah. brought these issues to the forefront. And by these issues, I mean the issue of making sure that teachers of color would be protected in language, in the contract language. Uh, as an issue that was falling off the table and you all were organized to make sure that that stayed on the table. Tell right. us about the experience that you had after you started organizing and, and acting democratically within your union. Yeah. Um, I would say that we were met with a lot of uh, backlash. I mean, the first day that we went out and went to other schools and, and spoke to them, Things went pretty smooth uh, that evening and the email was sent out that was telling union members not to sign any petitions or anything else that's coming from non-union members or union members um, and in an email that we were essentially labeled shenanigans um, and told to, you know, basically people were told to stay away from us. And you had a petition for what was the petition for that you all were trying to get other educators to support? Oh, uh, it's pretty simple, man. Like from the from day one, there were no signs. Like the first day that we went out to protest, all the signs, all the demands were there on union signage, with the exception of uh, teacher of color uh, retention. And so, you know, by day three, and there were still no signs, and we weren't getting any responses from our strike captains around uh, whether or not those signs would show up. Um, we kind of started to feel like, you know, maybe. Like, we really know that this thing is still on the table. And so we just uh, probably 13 to 15 of us just met and decided that we were going to create a petition that would basically just ask people not to vote yes on a contract that did not come back with that language. And largely because that's what many of us voted on. My two biggest priorities were getting ESPs paid because they've been kind of frozen out for three or four years with no wage increases and retention of, of teachers of color uh, in the contract language. So ESPs are classroom assistants? Or yeah, support staff? yeah, yeah, support staff, yep. And the support staff, the ESPs, I think the average salary for them was like $24,000 a year. Yeah. And that and that particular union is overwhelmingly people of color. It's like mm -hmm. 70, 80 mm percent -hmm. folks of color. So. So the, the, the white teachers union was putting the ESPs out front, basically saying that this is who we're fighting for. We're fighting for our teachers of color. But at the right. same time, they weren't fighting very hard to make sure that their actual teachers of color had protections from layoff. Yeah. In Minneapolis, we have had our teachers of color pool 
decimated a couple of times from layoffs. Yeah. Meaning like, like now, what is it, Alex? How many would you estimate? What percentage of black teachers in Minneapolis now? Black teachers? Um, let me think. If I had to guess, I'd say maybe between six and eight. Yeah. And I think it's actually lower. You're probably way lower. right. Way, yeah, way, lower. way lower. Way lower. Yeah. I got, I have a, uh, Alex, I got a question. You, you yeah, mentioned yeah. something about, about uh, 70 to 80. Wait, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, pro-union rate. I'm just making fun of your name. Go ahead, pro-union rate. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you mentioned um, part of part, uh, 70 to 80 percent of the support staff are, uh, are are teachers of color. Right. Um, how how many? Um, what's the what's the minimum qualifications for uh, to to be in that position? It depends. Um, it it really depends on what position you have, and there is a ton of positions, and part of the contract eliminated a bunch of those and kind of scaled it down to four from like probably close to 20 Mm -hmm. but i would say at a minimum just a high school diploma there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. who who just have a high school diploma oh the reason the reason why i'm asking is because the the, the best way to build that pipeline in minneapolis from from what i'm seeing is to build up build a capacity of, of those folks right Right. Which could be done by the district and the union. And that's one of one of my issues is that I don't think that the union is being proactive enough around the things that they say are important to them. Like, I'm not interested in wasting my time yelling at the district. I know what the district's about. I'm not like we're in a very poorly managed district. It's been that way for decades. So I'm not you know, I'm not here to we control what we can control. And there's no reason why that like why we're not being proactive about that. I had a question for you, yo. Like it's, it's, it's so wild. Like one, it's just weird when you say like teachers of color, like in the union, I, you, y'all know, y'all ain't never tripped off how it's wrong to say colored people, but you could say yeah. people of color and people don't care. Anyway, I just never. I'm with I you. I don't, that. I don't like the term. I've, I'm black. I'm not BIPOC. I don't want to be of yeah. color. Just call me black. So I'm going to ask you yep. questions. It's about the black people, the black teachers, right? Like, yep. With that piece around the, the way they not supporting y'all, but they need y'all emotionally. They, they they need y'all to, you know, to put you on TV and show y'all going off anytime they talk about black people. So when y'all came and said, yo, this is what we need for black folks. Like, what did they say and how did it feel when they said whatever they said to you? Well, I, I <laughs> like if you to, to just be straightforward, I mean, the day after they sent that email, they sent. um they sent a Latino gentleman and a white woman to talk to to talk to us before we went out to the picket line. And we asked them probably four, six, four, five, six different times, you know, is this on the table or is it off the table? And they wouldn't give us a straight answer. Um, and after about 30 minutes of back and forth, they finally said it's on the table. Like, you don't have to worry about that. But what they kept talking about was this anti-bias, anti-racist thing that they had come up with, which isn't what we voted on. I'd never seen that thing until, you know, after we voted and it was not a part of our demands. Um, it's fine. Like, I'm not fighting against it, but it's simply not what we voted for. Hmm. Um, so that to answer your question, though, how did it make me feel? I mean, I was pissed off. It's it's it. The biggest issue I had was the fact that the Latino person who was there kept saying, like, your negotiation team is largely BIPOC people. Trust us. We're BIPOC. 
And as soon as I heard that, for me, I was like, "Just made a great point for me, brother Alex." Go ahead, Toby. <laughs> no, I mean that's like my immediate response was like, "I didn't, I didn't vote for y'all. Like, I don't know who y'all are." And my bigger issue is if y'all knew you were going to do that, why didn't you organize? You could have organized two or three events to just bring us out and get feedback on stuff. And that's what I've been. They don't like the critique, right? Like, I don't. This ain't personal. It's I'm I'm critiquing y'all's leadership and they're frustrated with the critique. Right. They feel as if they're doing the right thing. And they met some people that are a little bit further along the political spectrum than they are. And they don't like it. And so consequently, we've been demonized and, and vilified and talked about. And, you know, that that's what it's been. Mm. So a lot of these backroom conversations, the public never gets the opportunity to to get ears and eyes on it. Right. Right. And so if you were talking to the public about what you if you were talking to black people in Minneapolis and you needed them to know and wanted them to come and support y'all and y'all's efforts, what do you need them to know that was spoken about in those back rooms that they don't know nothing about? Well, I don't know what's said in them back rooms. I would just tell them, no, like, use, <laughs> use your voice. You be like we got to show up. And I mean, I, and, and in all honesty, that's that's what we're doing. Like, I'm not going to sit here and argue and go back and forth with a bunch of white folks. I'm in North Minneapolis. I'm going to organize my community and we're going to we're going to see what shakes out like that's that's where we're at, you know, and, and I think the community needs to speak up. They have spoke up. Right. But we need to get organized. It can't just be showing up and yelling at at school meetings. Right. School board meetings. We got to show up and actually organize and, and be about and demand and put pressure on the schools that are over here in the district to do what we need done in our buildings and we know what those things are it's not complicated we don't need to do any more research we have all the data mm -hmm. we are the data this isn't about any more it's, it's done for that like we have we have all of that you know it's simply you y'all either want to do this or you don't want to do this and i think what you're seeing in our district that's why people are leaving right like i don't have to be a part of this right our community mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a part of this. And that's another issue that I have this entitlement to like, like we have to show, we don't have to participate in this if we don't want to. And a lot of people are opting not to, you know, this is Alex a quote from Greta uh, about their effort. Just so you guys know, this divisiveness right now is so harmful to our movement for strong public schools. At the same time, I understand that people are feeling really hurt for many reasons. I believe the anger is completely misdirected. We need to continue to fight the system that is not serving our children. This is what she's saying about the black educators who are confronting her, her blonde power. So uh, I'm glad you used that quote. Businesses. Yeah. I want to, I, I specifically was like, I'm going to bring this up and hey, in the full screen. There you go. And my thing is what system is that? Which system? Mm, mm. I'm black first. I'm not a union member first. I'm black first. The system that I'm fighting is white supremacy. I'm not fighting another system. And that that system exists within the district, exists within the union, exists all over the state. That's what I'm fighting, period. And so I don't, to call it misdirected, it's perfectly directed. Everything that we're saying is perfectly directed. I'm not misguided. I said that previously when I talked with Kenneth. There's nothing misguided about what we're doing. There's nothing misdirected about what we're doing, period. 
Yeah, and this is the Minnesota nice way of saying these fools need to shut up, right? <laughs> that, 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 that's, her quote is the Minnesota, it's the way that they handle us. So, and Reef, you're gonna have to just jump yeah. in there, Reef. Reef yeah. been trying yeah. to get no, on that no for a minute. I mean, I'm I'm just glad Alex uh, brought up this idea of retention, and you know, want to commend you to continue, uh, you know, uh, to talk about that because that is, you know, one of the hardest things, uh, and people want to avoid it. You know, people don't want to be accountable for retention because that means you have to really look at the ecosystem that you're inviting people in. Um, if we're talking about like that burning uh, integration can bring people to a burning house and. You know, in this case, it could be bringing uh, people of color, black people in particular that we're talking about into a burning schoolhouse. And so, but confronting what the ecosystem is and the, the colleagues and supervisors and, and district as well as union members. Um, and I think, you know, when Chris opened up uh, and really having, you know, highlighting how people may uh, portray themselves uh, as the, uh, the activists. And, you know, we've seen it, I guess the same playbook, you know, um, you know, Randy tells Dr. Howard Fuller that she's the, uh, she's the freedom fighter. He's, you know, he should fall back, you know, or she'll come here, you know, to Philly and say something very similar, uh, you know, and, and jet out of that North Philly neighborhood as, as soon as she can, as soon as that, that uh, flash ain't even go off yet and she running for the car, you know, so, you know, these type of things are, are consistent, but, uh, and even in Philadelphia, past two decades, because people weren't thinking about retention, we lost 1,200 Black people, Black teachers, mm -hmm. 1,200 mm -hmm. in two decades, um, which is just astounding in a city, you know, uh, with this many uh, Black students. Uh, so I, I would say that the, the question I have, I would love for you to uh, talk a little bit about is this, uh, you know, students, what are students saying? Um, in the midst of this, particularly black students, about the the black teachers that they may or may not even have um, as they uh, matriculate through, particularly high school uh, kids. That, I mean, to me, that was one of the things that I saw very clearly. A lot of black students, uh, particularly from North High School, um, some from our high school as well, Henry High School, um, protesting down at the, the Davis Center uh, throughout the week. And that was one of the things that they were saying and pay us. Right. Like they they're looking at us and 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 they want us, right? They want more of us. There's not enough, right? I work in a building, however, where it's it's a little different, right? We have a black principal who has kind of, uh, he had to cut folks. And after he did that during the first set of budget cuts, he said, I'm not doing that again. And so he has retained myself and a number of other people out of seniority order because he has that prerogative to do that as a principal. Um, and we need to see more people doing that. And during his tenureship, we've gone from 8% to 30% in our building. Um, and those are things that people need to be looking at. What is he doing? How is he doing it? How is he able to do that? But other places aren't. Um, and, and to me, it's more about will than anything else. Do you want to? And when you say 30%, you mean staff of color? Staff black. of color, but even like, but for us, it's a lot of black. Like when I came back, when we came back to in person this August and walked into the gym, we were all sitting there. I was like, oh, like it looks <laughs> different this year. And it's not, and this isn't SEAs, this isn't ESPs. Like this is gym teacher, art teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. social worker. This is everywhere, right? So you muted, Reef made a commitment to do it you know that that will the mindset 
Um, all of that is like paramount. And, you know, and where do you learn to, to, to really push and challenge your mindset? The best place to learn it is through the feedback of the people, the students, the community, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the best way to really hold a mirror up um, to see, like, okay, is my mindset, my actions matching what my mouth, uh, you know, my lips part to say? Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, that's absolutely critical. So great to hear, your, you know, your principal, like, really saying like, hey, this is this is the path forward. We're not we're going to continue to, um, you know, address this by hiring black teachers, you know, mm-hmm. and creating a pathway. Right. Like you all might mm-hmm. want to talk to my colleague and co-worker Nafisa Muhammad. But part of what we're also creating in our building is an ed pathway to create and expose our students to teaching as a field or to education. As Yo, a field hook me early. up with the homie, bro. Yo, hook yeah. me up with the homie. Should be this email, bro. We got to yep. talk. Cool, cool. <laughs> yep. You know what? We need you black teachers. Yeah. It doesn't even teachers. sound right coming out yet. Hook, hook me up with the homie. Hook me up, right. hook me up with the homie, yo. <laughs> hook me up with the homie. You know what? There's a uh, a whole article about the homie that he's talking about, Nafisa. Mm-hmm. Um, she quit her job over this. She mm-hmm. was so smeared and got so harassed mm-hmm. and had people coming after her. Uh, in so many different directions. She said, I'm tired of fighting two systems. In the article about it, she's saying, I'm tired of fighting two white supremacist systems at once, the school mm-hmm. district and the union yep. at the same time, while I'm trying to just teach the kids in my classroom. So we lost a black educator in Minneapolis where we we only have a handful of them. We lost one to this uh, this culture, this political culture of smear the person who tells you the truth. And then, so we lost Nafisa, we but didn't. We didn't. She's, we she, did lose it. She back? No. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so she says, I'm tired of fighting this system, blah, 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 whatever. Right. I'm not going to. Yeah. She was running for president. She dropped out of the, the race for president for the union. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then the union lifts up another voice of color, black woman on their executive leadership team to say, all these Negroes are crazy. So she, they just put out a piece the day before yesterday, her writing. They're all full of it. They're lying. And this is how neo-colonialism works. Mm. That's the playbook. That's the playbook. Right? This is how neo-colonialism was. Colonialism is when it comes with the powdered wigs and the white faces. When that don't work with the tribesmen, they find somebody, they find a beige person to come up and do some Pollyanna shit around. Can we all just get along? And that's how you have Haiti and a whole bunch of other places in the world. And that's Mm. exactly what they did in this case. They elevated a beige face from one of the whitest schools in the district with all the white teachers to say, Mm. all these Negroes are crazy. So I'm I'm gonna disavow from that statement. I know what direction you're going in, but I'm 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 gonna politely distance myself from the Haiti comment. <laughs> uh, I, I, just, I mean, I, we we I mean, I'm looking at all this stuff, man, and I, I think I'm the cynical one. And I I'm not anti-union. I don't hate unions the same way I don't hate teachers. I just had a really great teacher when I was young, and I expect greatness. I just seen like what a union says it's supposed to do, and 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 I've seen. I know the roots of it, and it's usually gang shit. Like, it was gang shit built to keep black people out of jobs or whatnot, and now this same gang is trying to silence black. I'm not saying teachers of color, because I, I, I want to stop doing that, because all the teachers of color is not in the same boat as black teachers right. in this situation, and we right. for damn sure ain't talking about all students of color, because black kids are going through a whole bunch uh, of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So um, did I, I? they said I froze. Did I come back? No, 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 you've been here. You've been here oh, all okay. along. No, yeah, no, but here. I mean, so so I, I just I don't know. I'm just hearing this this like from a gang standpoint, and I'm thinking about P 
parents and community members that's listening to the show that don't work in education, like this is real insider baseball. How does this stuff trickle down and impact students? How does this stuff, the way that this impacts students impact the community? And what can said community do to make sure that conditions are different in a way that actually impacts students? Because if y'all was like, yo, we about to actually start our own black union piece and we want the same rights. But instead of us just being about teacher jobs, teachers making sure they're getting paid and this, that, and the third, one of our core values is actually going to be student achievement or our community or X, Y, and Z. Like, what do you think would happen around uh, if that if if that actually was the play? I know that y'all are doing something in that ballpark, so excuse my ignorance if y'all are already on that hype. I mean, so we're going down that road. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily a secret. We're, we're working on some things. Um and I guess it's more of a stay tuned and we'll see. Uh, we've seen how that's played out in other spaces. If you've listened to the School Colors uh, podcast, uh, the NPR put out, and I think they're getting ready to do another one. Um, so we know what that looks like, too. Like, we can't. What do you want us to do? We can't separate. We can't stay in. What's What, what are we supposed to do? Right. And I think I, to me that you organize, um, you get your demands together. Um, and we build those things with the community. You know, mm-hmm. the union doesn't have to just be teachers, right? Like we could have a union that's made up of parents, right? Mm-hmm. Right along with us. Um, so, I mean, that's something I'd like to see. That's something I think nationally we need, like politically speaking, um, across the board, just for black folks and uh, having a way to to do that, having some demands that we can uh, all support and having some principles of unity that we can all operate under, I think is is kind of some of what we're working on at the moment. Bro, so hmm. Alex, I, I, I want to say this, man. I want to name this in the room. I appreciate your courage. I appreciate you coming on the show and, and talking about these things that are near and dear to your heart, because I know how unions work, uh, similar to what Charles just said. There is a lot of gang man- mentality that's involved with this whole thing, and there yeah. could be some retaliation that comes towards you in terms of like them making you feel uncomfortable at your place of work. So I want to, I want to, I want to name it and say yeah. I appreciate you for doing that. And so for my sure. question to you, and I know you know black people are not a monolith, but I want to know why more people don't have courage, the courage that you have, the courage and conviction that you have in order to name this system a white supremacy system that does not benefit black teachers. I, I, I want to know. I want to know the answer to that. Yeah, I, I, it's hard. I can't speak for them. I mean, I can only speak for me. Like I, I'm, I'm a product of the community. You know, uh, my earliest schooling took part at a, a what today would probably be considered a, a charter, a all black school in St. Paul named McIntyre Center for Gifted Children. And there was nothing special behind that. They just called it that. And we felt gifted. <laughs> right. Um, and so, you know, I'm a product of of the community. I'm a product of the elders. Um, I know who I am. I, quick to tell folks my mother is white. I am not, um, you know, and, and I don't fit into the typical box here as it pertains to biracial folks. I'm black. I identify as black um, and I don't have any desire to aspire to be white. You know, and I think sometimes that's what that boils down to is the desire to have proximity to whiteness, the desire to 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 be accepted by white folks. I don't have that desire, Uh, even in with what you led with. I'm not worried about anything in my building and I don't read the comments. So I don't care what y'all are saying online, which is where y'all like to congregate. None of that makes a difference to me. I'm good in North Minneapolis. I'm good in my community. 
and none of y'all are present over here. And most of y'all don't want to be present over here. It, you know, yeah. so I'm I'm good. I you know, and I have the support of my community. I have the support of a principal uh, who who looks out for all of us. So I'm I'm good personally. And you know, to me, that's what it boils down to. You know, do you want that acceptance? Do you not want that acceptance? And I, I don't I don't care about that. And what's different about yeah. Minneapolis than maybe a lot of people, a lot of y'all cities that you live in, is that Minneapolis is 100 percent white controlled. And, and they set the agenda for everything. It is the, the district schools are not white, but the city itself is white controlled under complete white comp- political control. If you want to make it, if you want to be an elected official, if you want to stay in your job, if you want to be problem free, you will join the progressive white cause of Minneapolis and you will do what they tell you and you will toe the line. And if you don't, you will be relegated to a heap of black radicals and other radicals who have been marginalized and ostracized from mainstream political power. You will not be the one who will rise up the ranks through the DFL, which is our Democratic Party. You will not be the one who gets elected to city council. You will not be the one who gets elected to state rep. You will not be invited to the right parties. You will not become union steward or union president at the Mm -hmm. top level. You won't become anything. So in a lot of places where there's black political power in the city, it's more of a mixed situation. Here, you make a decision whether you want to be successful or not. You make a decision, you know, well, pretty early on. Successful know, by their terms or not, right? Successful like, by their terms. Like if you want a mainstream position, if you want mainstream power. And you asked a question, Ray, about organizing, or I think it was Charles, organizing the community here. They are so good at divide and conquer they got you before you even start. They've already divided the black radicals into a corner and they have all the black Cosby's in the middle ready to just like counteract you. Or they have some grassrootsy type people that will divide and conquer. This group of black teachers will say this. They will find another group of black teachers that will say everything that they, they, that will say white ice is colder. Right. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, the thing for me, though, is that it doesn't stop the work, right? Like, if you look at my track record, I've been involved in four different programs at Henry High School. Uh, one for uh, one we created for uh, Black boys specifically. Had that for four or five years. Um, and then currently running our program, Community Connected Academy. So I, I'm not someone who's going to bang my head up against a brick wall. I'm someone that's going to create something and find the other people who want mm-hmm. to create something, Right. They don't like that either, but it don't stop us, right? Like that's what we're doing and that's what we'll continue to do. We've graduated all but three students in our three years in existence as a program. So, you know, the proof is in the pudding and we're going to keep doing what we're doing regardless. I love that. I love I love when people can come on the show and they can, and they can pull their jacket out and say, this is the work that I'm doing, right? right? Uh, body a lot of, of people, work. A lot of people, what? I said, yeah, body of work. I'm agreeing with you. Relax, bro. That is grandfather bifocals on looking. What'd you say, boy? What'd you what? say? Alex, do you you know, and I'm always curious about this, you know, and I've I've said this on the show before, you know, I came through an alt cert program mm. and I've been told by multiple sources, you know, and it was specifically for black men mm. to get mm. into teaching, uh, a partnership with the school district of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Cheney University, first HBCU, and a nonprofit called Concerned Black Men. Nice. Uh, I've been told that the union ended up, you know, following an injunction 
in court because they were, you know, oh, they mentioned race. They tried to get black men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, and I'm, I, I think, you know, all the issues and conversation that we're having about black teachers, if the unions didn't just say, oh, yeah, that's important. If they actually prioritize it, we wouldn't be anywhere near the numbers that we have right now in the, in the country, in any state, any city, yeah. like, right? Like if, if that was a priority for them, we would know it. We would see the numbers. We would see the support. We'd see the, 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 uh, the avenues, the pathways, yep. um, all of that. So. I agree. And as I just said, like, again, not relying on them, creating an ed pathway within our building. Nobody's going to wait for y'all to make that decision. Right. And I think we need a lot more of that in our community and we need a lot more of that in Minneapolis in particular. Um, But that's, you know, we got to we got to go old school with it. Right. We can we can do this ourselves. We we have our own autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. I was with my aunt today. We went to Ikea and spent some time. It's my favorite person, man. But her girlfriend is a teacher, a black teacher in Chicago. And she's just like, man, like I'm going through X, Y and Z and like. My union just like ain't got her back. I said, oh, well, tell her to tune in tonight because, you know, it's not just it's not just, you know, many where 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 that's happening. Right. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of folks that have put it on the line for this system. And again, I'm always nervous and afraid. Two things when I start hearing about X, Y, Z of color. And when I start hearing about, oh, but we got to like protect this system. Like the only system as a black person I rock with is Phil Jackson's that got six titles with the Bulls. Like I'm not systems is not made for us, man. These systems tend to be made on our back and the issue. And I need our community to understand. And I don't I got a whole show with black and brown. We talking about getting in together like I love us coming together, but also hey, man, black, Mexican, Hispanic, like name it. Right. Mm-hmm. But the only issue with that man is once you allow them to say, make this a issue of blank of color or blank of color. Again, right. the new way of saying colored people, even though that's offensive, but the other one ain't right. semantics. Right. <laughs> then black people get to become a blip, a statistical blip that I do not have to pay attention to because, oh, there's such a rise in students of color or there's such a rise in happiness of teachers of color. Well, guess mm-hmm. what, man? It's a lot of other people of color that have already bitten into that other apple and is ready to sell your black ass out. And it'd be like, oh, well, it's not about, you know, we, we, we shoot a lot of bail, man. I like Obama. I love Obama. But we'll be like, yo, what you do for black? They'll be like, well, he's the president of everybody. But yet and still other groups got hate crimes like right. Right. Oh, you got Joe Biden got this. Oh, yo, you do this. This is a crime against this people. And I think that you have to make sure people recognize you, recognize your struggle, and that, and ultimately, man, recognize our babies and children who are not getting the thing that they need. So, Alex, I, I heard what you were saying. I think it's dope, too, man, around the work that you're doing. In this new organization that you're building or this offshoot, will it directly say, yo, and black student achievement, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, like that is a thing that we focused on, and I'm not pounding on you, but I'm making yeah. – Pushing is harder because there's community member watching us and I want them to kind of have some guidance around what they should be asking for it, as opposed to a member's card to a union. I don't really give that don't really yeah, rock yeah. no way. Like yeah. ask for the think, real thing that you need. No, I'm with you. And I think we need to demand that excellence. I think we did demand need, need to demand more of teachers overall. And I think that um, that's the benefit of having folks like an Afisa Muhammad in the classroom. Right. Um, I'm not a teacher. I'm a counselor. But that's the benefit of, of having someone like myself, having principals who who kind of have an idea of, of what we need and are able to hold our students to a high standard and not coddle them, um, not be afraid of them. 
Um, but but know the greatness that is within them, even when they show up uh, <laughs> in ways that that challenge us. Right. I was in, I've been in both unions. I was an ESP. I was a dean. I dealt with behavior specifically for seven years before coming a counselor. And, you know, all those students that I saw in crisis, still brilliant students, man, just got a lot going on. And we need to be able to support them, but also demand academic excellence from them as well. And sometimes that needs to look different, which is why we had to create Community Connected Academy, focus on project-based learning, right? So we can have some hands-on stuff, so that we can have some experiences in the community doing internships, right? So that our students get a chance to start doing those things that that exploring those things while they're in high school. I don't want you to wait to get into college and then decide you don't want to be a veterinarian. Let's get you in now so you can figure out if that's for you or not. And if it's not, cool, Let's now let's find another internship for you and see if we can help you find your niche before you leave this place, you know? So two things, you know, one, I would push back just a little bit on the of color thing, but let me just say a different thing first. The NAACP, did a press conference with the black teachers mm -hmm. on the steps of the school, the school district, you know, uh, headquarters. And some of the teachers crossed over to stand behind them and support them. Meaning some mm -hmm. of the white teachers stood with them. The rest, if you see a picture of the press conference that they did together, a lot of the MFT teachers are down, down a ways because they didn't want to stand with them. They didn't want to stand with the NAACP or whatnot. And in what the NAACP was talking about, they were saying what you were saying, Charles. Yep. We're talking specifically about black children yeah. and mm -hmm. about, about black teachers and about the fact that many of our teachers can't teach and our kids aren't learning and our kids need to be learning and they're not. So they were saying this and meanwhile, some of the, the teachers that should be standing with them, you know, the, the union and MFT wouldn't stand with them. They were down like yep. standing away from them and just wrote a thing saying why we didn't stand with them. We didn't like their message. Basically we didn't like what they had to say uh, and started smearing them, started smearing the whole ass NAACP. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's how it's going, man. No, you're not. The, the NAACP in Oakland did that a long time ago and during the largest strike ever, right? Where they were asking for these things. Now, when the when the NAACP was speaking and it was in support of the union, hey, we got to listen to these black leaders. We love these black leaders. Da, 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 da. But when the when we had the longest strike in Oakland history, which I was a student for, and the NAACP is like, how is this helping black students? What is happening? Oh, don't listen. No, this antiquated organization. It, you know what I'm saying? That's that's how it goes, man. So I ain't mean to cut you off, Alex, but. It's no, wild in these streets for black folks, man. It's wild. It is. it is. And you gotta, you know, you definitely have to pay attention to who's saying what. They gonna keep they keep saying pay attention to the money. What money? Like there's no, I'm not funded by anybody. Like, you know, we're not funded by anybody. You know, we're we're as a matter of fact, the way that you treat us forces us to the people that you don't want us to deal with, you know. I didn't I don't want to be on this show if I don't have to. I love y'all. This is a great conversation, <laughs> but I would much prefer to be talking yeah. to the people mm. that I'm talking about. Y'all don't want to talk. You don't. Yeah. Multiple emails, multiple responses. The grievance email, we got four sentences out of these people. You know what mm. I mean? Like they don't they're not the grievance is done, you know. So and part of it's because there's bit. no process. But go ahead. To talk about the specifics of what you you know said earlier, just so we can come back to this. And Josh, I want to queue up this video in a second. But um, they said that you all were not telling the truth. 
when they said that we were planning on keeping the language alive all along that they we called you a liar son they said they, you was a liar and a sucker and you they, ain't gonna do, and you ain't gonna do shit alex that's what they said that's what i'm hearing they didn't just say it to the public either they said it to other teachers don't even talk to them because yeah. they're, they're they're lying all along we were fighting for teachers of color protections in the language uh the contract language to protect yeah. teachers of color we never dropped it and 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 these folks were saying, Alex and his folks were saying, no, 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 no. We got the receipts of when you yep. dropped it and when you said it and everything. So yeah, you're right, Charles. They just basically said they're lying. And of course, for a lot of people in the public, that's all they need to hear. Just you call them a liar, and it's like, okay, you, then you must be telling them, you know, all right, cool, got you. But but first of all, let's do this. Uh, uh, let's pull up this video real quick, uh, uh, Josh. We're gonna play this real quick, y'all. In the perspective is Greta Callahan herself, the president of the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers. Greta, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. All right. So we've been uh, in talks about this for weeks. You guys have, of course, been in mediation for weeks now. Lay out what you guys are asking from the district. Yeah, we're asking for a living wage for our hourly workers who are on average making $24,000 a year right now. We're asking for them to make $35,000 a year. We're asking for more mental health supports for our students. That means additional nurses, counselors, social workers, school psychologists, because right now we have uh, ratios that are certainly not serving our students and are nowhere near the nationally recommended ratios. And we are looking for some class size caps. Right now, there are no rules when it comes to class size. We need to have some caps in place. I used to teach at Bethune Community School. I saw firsthand um, having 27 kids in a class versus 18, because at one point we had class size caps for some of our schools. And it makes all the difference for our students and our schools. So now we know what you're asking for. Have any of those issues been resolved? And what are the main sticking points on the deal? Absolutely, none of them have been resolved, and it hasn't even appeared that the district has attempted Let's to the avoid video. this strike. Um, so this is what she says she's asking for. They're asking for more money, for more staff, and for classroom size caps. Did you hear her say, and we're asking to protect teachers of color from layoff? Nope. He just said, tell us what you're fighting for. Tell us what your agenda is. Tell us what your thing is. Now, she's calling these people liars for saying that you dropped it out of the, your agenda set. And here she is right there on TV. And we also have her on video. I'm not going to pull it up right now. We also have her on vi video being asked about this in a negotiating session. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, we'll get back to that. We think it's white supremacy tactics for you to spring that on us like this right now. She said that to a black man in a negotiating session mm -hmm. who asked her, are we going to get back to the protections of teachers mm -hmm. of color? You got that on video, bro? Yeah, we got it on video. Yep. <laughs> we can play it for you. She yep. literally said to a black man, I think it's really white supremacy tactics for you to spring that on us right now. It's very divisive for you to ask that. Mm -hmm. Bro, whenever whenever you hear, whenever you folks in, in the audience, right, or folks that are adjacent to these union negotiations, whenever you hear words like more mental health workers, uh, more school psychologists and things of that nature, that just sounds well-intended. Uh, and if it was meant for the right purposes, it could really transform a community. But that's not what they're doing this for. They're doing this so they could have more bodies in that union, paying more dues, union dues. so that they can go and they can uh, vote Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here I mean, he goes. Now he's doing a replacement theory. <laughs> see, get him off of here. Even, even just even off, but, off the screen. <laughs> and I do want to see that video, Chris. Uh, I, I'm glad Ray asked for it. You know, 
But and and so what though, right? Like what what's gonna happen? Like somebody's seen that video. Like we've also seen videos of a person who was had admitted that they sexually assaulted a student, and their union rep was like, "Don't say nothing. We got you. It's nothing. You we'll get this up out of here." Right. We've seen these videos. I, I don't. What has to happen? <laughs> Community that's listening to us, right? What has to happen? For you all to be like, yo, where's y'all meeting at? Like, I want to yep. come here the same way that they put heat on charters around all these these board meetings should be public, which I agree. Mm-hmm. Or the district meetings and how you push up in them things, right? This is a this is a nonprofit organization. You should be able to be like, yo, I want to be up in this meeting. I want to hear what these negotiations are. And again, we the four of us have been close enough to these negotiations where we hear how they talk about our students. We hear how they talk about our parents. We hear how they talk about some of you that are listening right now. You know what I'm saying? And then we'll get out here and say that they do it all for you, baby. They do it all for you. I done read Fillmore Slim Books, fam. That's pimp shit. <laughs> so now these motherfuckers is gangsters and pimps. I just, I just, I just want to make sure we covering all the crime bases up in this joint. I mean, basically I think- colonists. No. Go ahead, Alex. No, I mean, I think, and 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 my thing is something that that's something they need to worry about and deal with. If mm-hmm. you look at what's going on in the city of Minneapolis right now, Chris, I don't know if you're familiar with um, with what's happening in a in a city commissioner's office, right? And you just had eighty some people file uh, a twenty one page letter about the racism that's taking place in the city commissioner's office, along with a big chunk of people resigning and find it or I'll send it to y'all later, but it's a clinic in how to deal with white supremacy in the workplace, right? Like it's mm-hmm. outlining everything. Here are the HR practices that need to change. Here are the hiring processes that need to change. Here's how you're going to retain people in this space, along with multiple appendices that are just like stories, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, Here's my story as like dealing with race. You know, you got all of this going on. And my point in saying all that is like, this is what folks on that side need to be thinking about. If you're in leadership, this is what you need to be thinking about and getting ahead of. And I might be revealing more than I intend to, but that's the but that's the reality. Right. Like this is um, it's systemic, man. And again, I'll just come back to the whole issue. Which system are we fighting? right? We are not fighting the same system. I, as a black educator, am not fighting the same system that Greta purports to be fighting, period. So, so my question, because, you know, we have, we have folks, this is a a national podcast. And so we got folks all over the country that are listening to you talk, right? Listening to your courage, listening to you speak with conviction. And I appreciate it. You don't, you don't even understand. Uh, This is giving me great joy. Um, What (laughs) advice do you have for 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 teachers that are in these strong unions, right? That know that they're not representing for for, for them, right? That want to mm-hmm. speak out and, and may not have the courage that you have. Like, what advice do you have for them in terms of like, yo, let's get after it? I think find uh find the people, find your people, you know, find your people. That's it, and that's mm-hmm. all. Find the people that support what you're talking about. And in all honesty, I don't care what race they are. If they down with a pro-black agenda, uh, and they can operate under these guidelines, then cool, let's get it. Whoever's down, because we should know by now that whatever operates and works best for us works for everyone else. Largely, we don't benefit from half the stuff that we fight for. It helps other people more. 
you know, so y'all should be listening to leadership. But I would say, listening to our leadership, but I would say to those folks around the country, gather with, you know, we're small in numbers, but get get together with them and, and, and start organizing yourselves. And if you're in a community where you can start trying to out reach out to those parents, reach out to those students and other community members that that support that, because we have people here that support that as well. Um, start there. I mean, because that's what we're doing. We're just going to start there and see what happens. You know, I think um, I would say this. Charles, you probably would say Oakland is pretty similar in this one way. And Philly might be also. But Minneapolis really is a case study on how white progressive hegemonies can be just as racist and just as crazy as right wing uh, folks are. All the stuff we say about Trump. And we say about red states and red counties and red places or whatnot. It's real easy to see the oppression in those places and to see the systemic ways in which they control folks. They control the agenda. They control the table and whatnot. It's harder to see in progressive places Mm -hmm. where there's white progressive hegemony because, you know, there's an assumption that we're so aligned on things around social justice and other policies important to black folks and people of color, that there can't be any racism in those places too. Right. And that you can't, two things can't be true. You can't be at a rally talking about black lives matter and also be racist. Right. Mm -hmm. I think Minneapolis is a case study on what it looks like, how to control populations of color with what Malcolm X basically said, you know, foxy liberals, they'll tell you the things they'll have you thinking they're your best friend and whatnot, and they'll be controlling you the whole time. It's just yeah. interesting that, you know, there's never been a black president of the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers when there's been a black president of the leader of the free world. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's mm-hmm. just interesting that black folks have read have ran for the last for the last 10, 12 years have ran for that leadership positions. And it always comes up with the minority being the majority, meaning the white folk, white folks are the majority of the school system here. They're the minority, but they run everything. Mm-hmm. And it's because the city political apparatus, listen, he just told you about the commissioner's office, right? But you already know about George Floyd. You already know about a police department that can like in broad daylight, put a knee on somebody's neck and kill them, execute them on camera, right? In the middle of the street, in the middle of the day, in one of the most progressive uh, white cities in the country. And one of the places where people wouldn't dare vote for Republican anything, mm-hmm. you know, you get you can't run as a Republican for anything in Minneapolis and win anything ever. Right. At most, if you're not a Democrat, you, you're, you're a Green Party member. Um, but yet you have a police department that can't be controlled. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Alex, you would know better than I am, but yeah. than I would. But I mean, since, you know, George Floyd, that's two years ago. How many more incidents have there been? Right. Like, like yep. Yep. It hasn't stopped. I mean, Dante Wright was a student of ours. You know, it's it's not <laughs> there's no disconnect in our community. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Dante Wright it was killed up the street from me. His sister lived around the corner. He was in my classroom at one point in time. And 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 that story keeps repeating itself in one of the most progressive places in the United States where everybody who runs for everything says Black Lives Matter. Yep. 
they, they wear Black Lives Matter t-shirts. Greta says it all the time. My mm -hmm. BIPOC students, my BIPOC babies, my my Ugh. Black Lives Matter, Ugh. this, that, and the other, you know? That shit tastes nasty coming out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> what, BIPOC babies? <laughs> Charles is like, I had the BIPOCs once. I can't, I can't uh, comment on this. Uh, I want to comment on this. I'll, 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 we'll talk off camera. Off, uh, off <laughs> You know what I do? Oh, and which part? What can't you, which part can't you comment on? You know, I, I, uh, <laughs> the thing I was going to push back on you, Charles, earlier, and I'll see what Alex says about the this. people of color thing. Let's yeah, do the it. Love color thing. Yeah, yeah. You and I are on two different planes with that. I but get yeah, what you're saying. It. I'm supportive of what you're saying, right? <laughs> but at the same time, in Minneapolis, um, having worked across communities. Uh, there is a portfolio of oppression that is taking place in many in Minneapolis sure. that lands that lands different ways. In, like like arguably the Native American population of Minneapolis is catching the most hell. For sure. And they're mm -hmm. catching the, they're catching hell in, in a way that's like brutal and hostile yeah. Yeah. in a way that we don't even have to 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 contend with necessarily. I would argue that. Uh, and the same thing with, you know, the Latino community has a unique blend of oppression to their situation that comes from them being a language community and coming from countries where they have a different disposition about the schools or whatnot. So it's easier yeah. to exploit them differently. We have Hmong population, we have uh, Somali communities and populations, and each one of them has a unique, uh, a unique way of living within the oppressive system right. uh, where it makes sense for them to see common cause. Oh, it yeah. makes a lot of sense for them. Can I respond to, to I, I want to respond when you're done. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you didn't say uh, one thing that I disagree with. I, I, I think we should partner up. I think we should have coalitions. I think with dope right. white people, right. you should partner up. Right. What I'm saying is disaggregate your activism. What I'm saying is <laughs> name the issue. For, call me, call out my issue specifically the right. same way you just pay respect to the Native American struggle there. Like I do, like I said, I do a show with Latino folks. We all got a coalition of people, and when they gotta go in their room and deal with the stuff that's 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 germane to them, we gotta do the same thing. So when we show right. up, you know what I'm saying? We we can be working together, but it's the same way with the Black Panthers and the Brown and, and the Brown Berets, right? It's like, yo, like we got an agenda, they got an agenda, we rock on this, we come together. Right. But when they go back to their meetings, it's like, yo. This is the this is the black agenda for the Panthers. This is right. the brown agenda here. And where do we have? So I'm just saying we have to know who we are. So I actually don't disagree with anything you're saying, but like I I'll just say disaggregate your activism. I love that. You should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> you should put that on a t-shirt tonight. As a matter of fact, I'll buy that. I'll be your first sale on that you. one. And, and you I'm know with, what? I'm like, with you too, like, that makes everybody small. Uh that makes everybody stronger. Yeah. So when you mm -hmm. do come to the coalition. Yep, you're coming from a place of strength. Everybody is. Mm -hmm. Yep, uh, yeah, exactly. Us, exactly. With us, us doing that is not even a knock on any other race or group. It is. It's calling our our own ability or not taking the mental steps that we need to take to know exactly what is happening to us, exactly. so we can know what we need. Again, exactly. if somebody came and asked Black America, okay, here, magic wand, three things. What do you want? We 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 not we not gonna have three answers that's actually you know what I'm saying reverberating around uh, the black plane the way we might have in other in other decades not not that any of those decades would have been perfect but it was better defined uh, I think at different times so I don't disagree with anything you said Chris but I, I appreciate the push because it allowed me to elaborate on exactly what I meant. All right, well listen, this has been a a very I think interesting show uh for me specifically because i have a foot in two places like i live in minnesota 
and I get to see things in other places. But mm-hmm. I know that people have a they have a lie when they think about what Minneapolis and what Minnesota is. They have a false concept of what we are here. And I think stories like this don't always agree with what they think we have going on uh, in Minnesota, you know. So uh, let's let's roll into final thoughts. Alex, we'll come to you last with the final thoughts because you are a guest. So we will uh, start with Charles and then go to Pro Union Ray. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, I will give my final thoughts and then we'll hand it off to you last, uh, Alex. So Charles, the show tonight has been about uh, black educators wanting to find their power within their unions. What are, what say you final? Yeah, words. man. One, I, I just want to thank our guests for being here. I think you did an amazing job. Uh, and I, and I'm glad Ray was giving them flowers because it, I'm glad that you're not afraid, but it could, you know, there could be blowback and you got a family. Uh, I saw your family in, in the comments, man. I thought that was a beautiful thing uh, on this topic to our community. I try to talk to our people in this place. Right. And and just in this space, man, like, listen, God protects children and fools. And at this point, y'all are neither. And if you've been listening to the A Black Hands the last few weeks and you've really been paying attention, I mean, and if you need to go back with a notebook, we had a principal on that taught the layperson this is the road that a principal does this is what we expect and this is how you hold excellence this is how i do it other people may do it differently but if you listen between those lines you got some game on here's how i can push principles here's now that i understand what they do i can do x y and z right alex is a teacher who is very active in the union and very active in union politics who sat up here and gave us a lot of game around how these things work, how conversations go, how politics over everything or system over everything. And black people tend to be at the boot of that. But if you were listening between the lines, he is also there's also things to be extracted around as a community member, what you can do to ensure that your kid is getting what they need. And God willing, uh, hopefully we'll have a 46 year uh, educator on last ne- next week that did some amazing things that will also offer some insight. The point that I'm making is if you're sitting here waiting for systems to improve, if you're waiting for things to get better, if you're waiting for people to just actually do the right thing and do right by your kid and the system, the system, the system, and you remove yourself from that equation or you jump onto other people's bandwagon all the time without understanding what you need or what's happening, we will continue to get the results that we have gotten for the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We will continue to have more Brown versus boards where it's supposed to start rooted in us and loving us, but because we wasn't active in that whole piece and they slip in that part, oh damn, now all the black teachers are fired and gone. And now we don't have black teachers and that's why we have a Sharif El Mekki doing that work. So I appreciate you, Alex, for being here uh, on close. We have a book that we wrote for you all. The ebook is free. Go to 8bh.org. Again, that's 8bh.org. Uh, when you go there, put your email address in. Don't leave the page when you do it. Once you click, like, okay, there's going to be a link. Hit that link and let us know how you feel about it. If you're having trouble getting it, hit up any of us from the hands. But we're all very grateful. And thank you for being here, as always. And, and, and good show. All right. Pro Union Ray. Yeah. So, um, again, thank you, Alex, man. I, I, I think it took a lot of courage in order for you to come on our show, and I'm super appreciative of that. 
if you are a union membership, if you are black and you are union membership in a school district that has a powerful union, you too can have a voice in terms of like how black people are treated. Right. And so I know, you know, sometimes folks can fall into the status quo. Sometimes folks can fall into the wanting to be adjacent to whites and make that type of money. But you're not making that kind of impact if you're not worried about your community. Right. As black folks, we have I, I, I feel like it behooves us to be, uh, you know, associated with our community in ways in which others can't. That's the only way that we can lift our people. Um, and if you are union leadership, right, um, unions can work. They definitely can work, right? We've seen them work. We've seen them do all kinds of nefarious acts with regards to uh, uh, limiting Black folks from getting jobs, uh, uh, limiting promotions, like limiting a whole lot of things that just uh, just negatively impact uh, Black people in education. What I would like to see union leadership do and, and how I would like to see it work is I would like to see you guys intentionally try to increase the number of Black teachers in education, right? And put that on an agenda and keep it on an agenda and keep it in the forefront and be intentional about how you recruit uh, black folks and how you support them once you recruit them, right? If you want game on that, uh, our guy Sharif El Meki will definitely uh, uh, provide you with the with the points that you need. Uh, we all can do that. And then, lastly, shout out P40, my Pahara cohort in the building. It's like ten of them in here. Shout out P40 for coming to kick it with us. We appreciate you. Good show, Chris. P40. All right. Well, listen. Um... You know, the last time we did a show where we talked a little about some labor stuff, there was a person who, who who said on Twitter, you know, I enjoyed the show. It was good, you know, and this is a labor person. And he said, you know, but Chris, you might want to take off the organized hat before you go full on neoliberal with your comments. And, uh, you know, that just like went right down my back because I know that there's this whole language system around white progressive labor organizations who see labor as like such a religion that you have to genuflect when you talk about labor when you talk about unions you have to say you know i don't hate unions but or i don't hate teachers but or you know whatever 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 that first genuflect that you have to do as part of a, a a cultish type of behavior unions have a mixed history so if you're one of the people who have sucked down the religion of what they are and what they do good for you 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 can live with that but there's no such thing as an educator who won't tell you or teach you the real history of this thing that you're worshiping so much. I don't think you organize around labor and around work. I think you organize around interests and around justice, right? Mm -hmm. So a labor organization that is or organizing around their jobs, their public employee jobs, treating that as if that's your highest cause as a person of color, as a black person, as an indigenous person, as an immigrant, as a person who has a very unique set of grievances to work out with your country, the idea that you would be organizing cross-culturally with white people in the lead around labor and, and work as your main thing is stupid, right? So I'm not even going like, to pull punches. I'm not even going to pull punches with it. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard, right? Like, you know, like or, let's organize around labor, right? Around work, right? And then let's let white folks tell us how we're going to do that, right? Uh, when they have such a mixed history of how they are still, as of today, from this story that you're hearing right now, not able to organize around justice, because if it was around justice, there would be something different that they would be pushing for. That we're, 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 we're hearing right now. So I, don't, I, I want to respond to the idea that we're not sitting around waiting for systems to change. Alex is proof 
uh, and the cohort of educators that are working with him are proof that you can organize around justice as workers within a union, as a matter of fact, around racial justice. And that's what they're doing. They're not sitting on their asses. They're actually challenging the religion of labor from within because they're part of it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what black folks should be doing, whatever. If you, in churches, you should be doing that. In corporations, you should be doing that. In politics, you should be doing that. Wherever you are, you should be doing that exact same thing. That's the organizing that you need to do against all systems. Because none of the systems are, are right for us right now. The NAACP came out on this. Parents came out on this. But what you got to watch out for is the stuff that gets said behind closed doors. You need to share that with the public. You need to demystify. You need mm -hmm. to expose. You need to highlight. You need to tell the public the truth. You are in all these private meetings here and all these private things, and you're not making the public any smarter about the things that you're hearing. That's You're not doing your job. You got to expose you got to tell the stories. You got to change the narrative. You got to challenge the power. You have to demystify the rules, demystify the way the process works, demystify all that, and then put people on the hook to do something about it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you got to watch out for the neo-colonial stuff because, <laughs> listen, they, you know, you stand up, you say the truth. The first thing they're going to do is find somebody who looks just like you to say the opposite of what you're saying and sow doubt about you being somebody that the public should listen to. And that's exactly what they're trying to do with Alex, with the crew of his crew of educators, with the NAACP and with other groups now. And it works sometimes. It's not going to work forever. The MAGA stuff isn't going to work on the right forever. And this kind of labor religion where people like look at a blonde white woman whose kids was like in one of the best districts in the state of Minnesota as like the, the social justice warrior and Black Lives Matter all-star, that's not going to last forever. It's all fraud. And, and we're going to get the truth out there. That's my final word. And Alex, brother, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. And what's your final word for the people listening and watching? Um, I mean, I don't bite. We don't bite. <laughs> it's going to be a lot, a lot coming down the pipeline, I'm sure, later this week, man. But what I would say is we've been transparent all along. And all of this started out simply wanting to hold uh, the people that were elected accountable. And so why so much pushback if if we're doing simply what we're supposed to do, if this is a democratic process? So I would encourage whoever wants to listen and is willing to listen to listen. Uh, I sent out an email as recently as today to all of the black exec board members saying that I'm willing to sit down and have a conversation if they are. Um, and I hope that they respond in kind and hopefully we can get together and, and have a little chat and see if we can work through some of this stuff. But you know, that's that's about it for me. You'll have to keep us informed whether to get back to you. We appreciate it, though. I, I love the attempt and the try. And I want it to happen. I mean, you know, I we got to do our due diligence, man. That's right. That's I mean, got to do our due diligence. I do want to shout out Nafisa Muhammad, Ariel Roca, Alexis Mann, like all of the folks that have been a part of of this uh, as well. I'm I'm just kind of the messenger. You know, it's, it's definitely not about me. It's a whole bunch of people behind me as as well. So well, I think black hands need to come to the Twin Cities. Let's do we it. Y'all came before. I saw y'all yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. We need all these folks to come this time. We, oh, yeah. we'll we had a polite there. we had a polite gathering last time. I think we need to bring the eight black hands to the yeah, Twin Cities. 
for a show. Let's make this happen. What do you think, Eight Black Hands? Can we do this? Oh, wait. Hey, can we can we do it right in front of the, the, the meeting? Can we do it right in front of where they're meeting at? The, the union? <laughs> yeah, we sure can. Oh, we okay. sure can. Now, let's do, do this. This is, this is going to happen. Well, listen, uh, we for friends and family, we appreciate you all for uh, spending another one of your Sundays with us, especially on a holiday weekend. Uh, we would ask you to seek out Alex and the crew in Minneapolis to see if there's any way that you can support what they have going on. And we will keep you apprised of a pending show with a black hands in the twin cities. This is protected by the red, the black, black and the and green, the green. We, with the key. green. He's not done yet. Go ahead. It's, there's more to it. You going to keep going? No, that's the whole thing. Nah. <laughs> that's the whole oh, thing. Oh, is it? Is, is it? You sure? Okay. My bad. You know, I'm one of these new hip hop heads. Maybe I misremembered the lyrics. You you have misremembered. Okay. They have been updated. Anyways, okay. uh, to the east, y'all. Uh, we appreciate everybody for listening, watching. This has been another episode of the Eight Black Hands, and uh, have a great week.